Hello there. Welcome to the Oblivious Maximus podcast for another week. I'm your host, Aaron Osborne. This week is an awesome episode, much like all the other episodes I do. I think they're all awesome. Um, this one is with Josh Mariel, who is the current host of Short, Fast, Loud on Triple J. Um, I recently spoke to Lachlan Watt a couple weeks ago, and I also spoke to Stu Harvey, who was the former host of Short, Fast, Loud. Lachlan hosts The Racket. Um, so I thought it would be good to get the new current host of Short, Fast, Loud on after having talked to Stu and recently talked to Lachlan and sort of, you know, get a vibe off Josh about how his, you know, relationship formed with music and how that's informed his uh, career path that it's led him down now in terms of hosting the show. Um, and, you know, what kind of shoes he had to fill going in after Stu had such a long run on the show. Um, Josh was kind enough to have me over to his house to do this podcast. Um, and it sounds great and it was a good chat. So I'm excited for you all to hear it. Um, real quick, I would like to advertise two things of my own. Um, firstly, I would like to advertise the bad times podcast again, a podcast that I'm helping my friend Ben get off the ground. Um, we recorded the first episode of that on the weekend and, uh, it will be online this week. Um, so go to Facebook, um, slash the bad times pod and check that out. Once it's online, uh, you'll see it and it's sick. It's funny. It's good. Good chat with good people. I won't talk too much more about it. I'll let him do all that, but go check that out when you get a chance. Um, Otherwise, the other thing I want to spruik to the world is my uh, big thing for myself. Uh, today, I announced a live version of this podcast that I'm going to be recording in December at the Reverence Hotel here in Melbourne. Um, it's on the 17th of December um, at 8pm. And I'm going to be talking to Callum Preston, who was previously a guest on this podcast, Matt Weston, who was also previously a guest on this podcast, Patrick Galvin, who was also a previous guest on this podcast, and Kane Hibbard, who hasn't been a guest on this podcast yet and will be his first time appearing. Um, But yeah, I'm billing this thing as an evening of bevies and conversation discussing the ins and outs of working artistically in the music industry. Um, So I'm going to be chatting to those guys about, uh, you know, how they've worked creatively and they've all sort of worked with one another at one point or another as well and um, how that sort of interacted with their lives and their experiences. Um, And yeah, I thought I'd try and do that in front of people so people can come and ask questions and sort of see how this happens and be a part of the conversation as well and actively contribute to it too. Um, So yeah, that'll be happening 17th of December, 8 o'clock at The Reverence, um, and Jamie Hay and Liam White, who also have been on this podcast, are going to play some music for us after that. So yeah, it's going to be fucking awesome. I'm really, really excited for it. Um, I'm excited for people to get a chance to interact with these guys as well. I know a lot of people are keen to uh, sort of ask questions and have asked me questions about the conversations I've had with them. So there'll be a chance for a Q&A thing and hopefully we'll get through um, a lot of cool topics and a lot of cool discussions there with them. So uh, yeah, keep your eyes peeled for that. Come out if you can. It should be really fun. Um, It's only five bucks. It'll be in the front bar at the Reverence. You can get dinner and beer and stuff beforehand. It'll be sick. 
uh, go to Facebook for any more details on that. Um, and yeah, otherwise, please enjoy this wonderful conversation I had with Josh at his house. Um, so yeah, this is Oblivious Maximus, episode 24 with Josh Mariel from Short, Fast, Loud on Triple J. Enjoy this shit. Brutal. Josh, thank you for doing my podcast. My absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me at your house to do my podcast. <laughs> In my humble abode. Yeah. Um, okay, so I start all of them by asking people how they got into music. How did it first become a relevant passion for you? There's, um, there's, there's two songs and there's two stories and I don't know which one came first, but... Um, well, you can tell both. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're, they're both fairly short and un- uneventful stories, but... Um, yeah. and, and it sounds like the first one's kind of sucking, but I know that it's where that's true is my auntie bought me Triple J's Hottest 100 Volume 4 when okay. I would have been 10 or 11 years old. Yeah. And track two on the first CD is Tool Stink Fist. Yep. And I'd never heard anything like that before in my entire life. And I was just like, I'd, I'd listened to that song on repeat trying to understand it as an 11 year old. It didn't yep. really like... I don't know. It just like, I just, I love, I loved it and I couldn't really tell why. And so that was kind of like, that was my first taste of like the heavy metal, I guess, side of things. And then the punk side of things came from, I was at primary school, I was in grade six Mm -hmm. and a a guy called Kyle, can't remember his last name, but his name was Kyle. He's like, Hey, I've got this thing. You've got to listen to it. And he had Punkarama volume two. Mm -hmm. I was like, sick. And he played me TSOL's Code Blue, which yep. if you know, people don't know, is a song about a dude who likes to have sex with dead people. Yep. And this was <laughs> two 11-year-olds two in a grade six class giggling themselves silly at yeah. that. And then, yeah, I mean, after that, it was just kind of like, all right, I, I need to know more about that. I um, the, the first two CDs that I admit to buying are... Uh, Corn, self-titled, and Limp Bizkit's significant other. Yeah, bought both two, of those. Two I, great albums. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then it just kind of, I mean, it just spiraled from there. I mean, I, you know, I, yeah, that kind of moved into. I worked with a Fraser group here, who like a, it's a government-funded sort of youth event running thing, and mm-hmm. so we ran heaps and heaps of gigs. And I think, yeah, and it, that kind of led me into event management. And then I started on radio when I would have been about. 14 years old so half my life at this stage um with a a radio station called street fm which was it was like a community-based station back when before there was sin fm and light fm and stuff all these community stations were vying for these four commercial licenses that were going to exist and so that was like when kiss fm was around and kicks and all that kind of stuff and they do they do 12 week blocks and then it would go on to someone else and you'd get like one kind of season a year i guess uh, okay right so um so just vying for airspace or whatever yeah and and so that went on for about two years and then and then it kind of came to this point where there was a you know a big that kind of everyone came together and pitched oh we should get it because mm-hmm. and street fm unfortunately didn't get it but um the i think it was rtfm it was the there was the radio station out of rmit mm-hmm. and they kind of joined with another one and created sin fm and yep. so then uh me and a friend of mine called josh uh strange life it was josh and josh yep. <laughs> um yeah josh came to me and he's just kind of like 
we should do this radio show. I think it'd be lots and lots of fun. So our, our first shift, we called it, it's always been one of our favorite quotes was uh, communism works in theory. Yeah. Because it, it, it does. It's, it's a brilliant idea <laughs> yeah, yeah. in theory. And so we were like, all right, well, the radio show is called works in theory now because it was just fun. Yeah. And so we started, it was the 10 a.m. until 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings, just yeah, well. bright and early, you know, talking rubbish. Like, uh-huh. I, I still remember some of those first shows and they were just awful. So how old were you then? That would have been 16, 17, somewhere okay. in there. Because, yeah, you've got to be... But I think it's between 15 and 25. You can only be on sin within those kind of years. So, they kind of right. look for people looking to do their first thing. And, and we kind of came with our own because I already had, you know, on-air experience, again, talking nonsense because I would have been 14 talking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whoever trusted me with a microphone, it was a bad idea from the beginning, really. Yeah. And, I mean, yet here we are. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, and, and so we had this. And then we kind of moved from, from that to the punk night was thursday nights and so they, they have like genre nights each night of the week so there was a there was a, a j-pop night that did really really well there was an indie night a dance night uh, an urban night and punk and metal night mm-hmm. and so works in theory moved to like prime time 8 p.m till 10 p.m on a wednesday on a the thursday night and then i ended up becoming the the punk metal coordinator so i got to help pick the other shows awesome. and stuff and so like obviously i couldn't pick my own show but like yeah you know everyone was putting their own stuff forward and so yeah i, I think i ran punk metal night for three or four years or thereabouts in the end and, yeah, right. and worked with, I mean, I, I made a whole bunch of uh, friends then. There was a, another guy called uh, Ben Ginsberg who did a show on that. And now he's a photographer who runs all around Melbourne at all the gigs and stuff. And yeah, so yeah. I've, I've known him for over 10 years now. It's just, yeah. Yeah, crazy. It's lovely kind of seeing what people end up doing. But yeah, that's kind of, that was my soiree, I guess, into the start of radio. Yeah. So when you... When you started moving from... Like, when you started doing this stuff with Freezer and things like that, like, how did that... How did that start off for you? Was it just by way of going to shows and being a all ages contributor? Was yeah. that how it sort of started happening? Well, I mean, again, that would have started when I would have been about 15 or thereabouts. I think it was just just after Street FM and just before Sin FM. And yeah, I just saw something advertised in, in my local council and the, the council of Borondara that was just kind of like, oh, if you're interested in music, if you're interested in events, you should come and check out this thing. And I was like, all right, cool. And yeah, I kind of went along and... And again, met people now that are, that are, I mean, these days are quite high up in the industry, but back then we were just school kids and, and yeah. so we kind of have allocations of budgets. So there'd be like small budgets and, you know, for, for smaller events. And we had shows with scar bands like the Knockabouts who probably don't, they haven't existed for a long time. We had yeah. shows with a Bagster and, and that kind of thing. But yeah, they kind of, they teach you everything. So they teach you about what it's like to, you know, to deal with you know, like booking agents and things like yeah, that sure. and dealing with managers and, and then the other side of it dealing with budgets and then and then promoting the shows. And mm. I mean, the, the the Camberwell Civic Center where we run a lot of these things out of ended up being like one of, there was us and there was the one in Mooney Ponds that were probably the two most popular ones in yeah, Victoria. Right. Like, yeah, we, I think the, <laughs> the, the biggest show we ever did, it was fantastic, was we got offered 28 days as mm-hmm. part of a 28 days tour. And I was like, all right, cool. Who are we going to get? And about two days later... Uh, so we were in Camberwell and the next suburb across is Canterbury and mm-hmm. there was a venue there called Stonecutters yeah. and Stonecutters announced the same night irrelevant Parkway Drive I killed the prom queen right. and this was back when like you know when Dead Dreams and, and uh, when Goodbye Means Forever were out so prom, like, prom queen was still above Parkway at that stage and and I'm like well we're dead like yeah. we're, we're not going to get it we've got 28 <laughs> days and they've got prom queen and so I reckon that was probably the biggest challenge for me was spending three weeks, I reckon, on the phone to everyone just being like, 
I'll give you this venue. You don't have to pay the venue higher. Well, you get paid the same amount. You'll have a bigger venue with more people coming. All you have to do is play under 28 days. This is the only stipulation I have. Yeah. And eventually they agreed. And so I was like, this is a huge lineup. Now we've got Irrelevant, Prom Queen, Parkway, and 28 days. And up to the end of Prom Queen, there was 900, 1,000 kids in this venue. Yeah. 28 days at the stage, and there was maybe 100 left. I felt <laughs> awful, awful, Poor awful. Dudes. I really did. <laughs> But there was like, like I, I hoped it made them feel a little bit better afterwards. There was some dude who came up to us and like he'd come all the way from Sweden and he was just wow. kind of like, oh, I heard 28 Days were playing. We love 28 Days in Sweden. Is there any chance I could meet the band? I'm like, yeah, I, re- I reckon that would probably lift their spirits a little <laughs> yeah. bit right about now. Um, but yeah, dude, it, was, it, was, it was interesting. You're seeing like, yeah, I guess the, the way the scene interacts and, and like, you know, what, what bands go well with others. Because we were always a fan of mixed bills. Like we had a, yeah. a show where we had Bagster and Shot Point Blank on the same mm-hmm. one. So like Scar and Hardcore. Yeah, yeah. And I was just a, I, I, know, I think I've always just been a sucker for, for seeing those scenes kind of come together. Just yeah. a bit of fun. Well, I think, I mean, I definitely in Canberra, I don't know if they've got it now, but definitely when I started playing music, there wasn't a... Uh, like council body that was doing those kinds of things. It was mm. all just like people and kids or people that worked in youth centers organized that sort of stuff. So it was, it was different in the sense that it wasn't like a bigger group organizing those things. But as I understand it, basically like anyone of sort of our common age group has came up, you know, through that similar sort of thing. Like yeah. I, my first shows were in like a d- crap, like thrash metal band, <laughs> but we would be playing with like the local pop punk, heroes kind yeah. of thing like that was you know we'd play first and they'd probably be like a rap group in between the <laughs> yeah. two of us yeah. and that it was those shows for like the first like three years of me playing alternative music in front of people was just playing those weird mixed bill shows yeah, yeah but it's, it's i think it's it, the cool thing about that was because you know parent parents want a safe thing that they can send their kids to so when yeah. they see you know a drug and alcohol free all ages mm-hmm. event run by the council they're like oh kids can go to this and so kids get a, a taste of like you said they get pop punk and then death metal and then hip-hop in yeah, one yeah. night kind of thing and and when they're kind of growing up it's it's definitely i mean obviously everyone's musical evolution's kind of gone differently but that's mm-hmm. i think where it started for a lot of kids is seeing getting a taste i guess of all these different yeah. styles of music well i mean certainly for me it definitely um it made me really appreciate what different people could do mm. as well because I know when I was doing that sort of stuff, I had super long hair <laughs> and yeah, just like was all about metal and stuff. But then going to those shows, I was like, oh, wait, actually like punk dudes can play guitar. And like, <laughs> like oh, all rappers aren't assholes because that one guy at school that likes rap hit me once. You yeah. know, like yeah. it's sort of... Like that stuff was like, you know, developed to me, but like, I can't remember. I spoke to someone else on this about those freezer type events and things. And like, I think they kind of get a bum rap sometimes from older people Mm. because when you're doing it as an adult, there are elements of it that are not reflecting of your personal tastes at the time. Mm. However, as a kid and as like a young person being a part of that, that shit's super important. Like that stuff needs to be there for that like foundation to be built for people. Mm, I, I guess that's the the one thing that, I don't know, I, I guess everyone probably worries about is this whole idea of one day I'm going to get to the point where, you know, your, your, your broad musical mind starts to contract. And I guess that's the yeah. cool thing of being that young is you don't have that contraction at that stage. It's no. just kind of like, I just want to hear sounds at this yeah, yeah. And, and how different people put different sounds together. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's, 
Uh, yeah, I think that's probably the the interesting thing about being that age is kind of mm. yeah is is seeing oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go listen to this ska band and then this metal yeah, yeah. band <laughs> on one night. It's gonna be fun. Yeah. <laughs> so when you started going with Sin, then what was like what was your drive that got you into doing radio? Like what was the push to talk in front of you know a microphone and have your voice heard by lots of people? Um. Oh, I just wanted to talk nonsense, I think. I think that's yeah. just like I've, you know, I, I, because technically, like, you know, being the, the middle child that mm-hmm. I am in my yes. family, <laughs> I, I've always enjoyed seeking attention. There's, yep. there's a fantastic family video of my, my older brother's first day of school and he's standing there in a school uniform and he's all proud. And then I just, in my pajamas, just bunny hop in front of the camera and back <laughs> And so that was... This is going to be my shot. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> so that's age of four and it, it clearly hasn't gone away. I don't know. Like, it's just... Um, from that respect, I mean, the, I think the thing for me is being able to, to A, discover new sounds and new bands and new artists and stuff like that, but then be able to share them as mm-hmm. well. I think that's that's always been the exciting thing for me is, oh, hey, here's these, you know, these cool massive bands I like. Like, we were playing Slipknot next to The Cure, next to, like, we, we kind of went kind of out there with the sure. sounds we were playing. But then, I mean, we'd spin, every now and again, we'd play a Tom White song just because it was fun to say like well hey if you like this music maybe you'll like it because one of his albums got released on epitaph you know big, yeah, right. like big in japan came out on i think it was on one of the punkaramas if i remember correctly yeah, right. crazy and um yeah so i mean that side of it was really really cool is being able to share and then i mean me and uh, again it was josh and josh on works in theory and and me and josh always had a really good rapport and so we'd we bought in like little radio sketches i guess because we've always yeah. both been into to writing and performing in different ways i mean he was a he was a drama student for a long time and and so was i at my high school and mm-hmm. so so we always had that kind of yeah I, I guess it was a drive to perform in different ways and kind of share yeah. personality like I'm, I'm i'm really bad at acting because i can't I can't put on a different personality. Yeah, you just like, want to accentuate your own. One. Exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I, I guess that's that's the one thing that I kind of noticed because he because he was an actor and he was part of like a, a youth thing and he tried to get me to go do this acting thing. I'm like, it's not for me. <laughs> for I can't me, do that. Yeah. But but this radio thing, I can definitely. Yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. So when that got rolling, then uh, like as you said before, once you sort of started, uh, you know, getting more responsibility there with. Um, you know, like booking sort of the other talent, I guess, mm. on that. What responsibilities then developed for you there? Like, when did it change your mindset from just being like, I'm here to try and do something different or what, yeah. like what went there? I, I got, I got really, really passionate about Sin. I guess, I guess because I could see, I mean, in, in Melbourne, especially, there's a couple of radio stations around the country. And I mean, in, in Sydney, it's FBI radio as well, where Triple J really looks to in terms of yeah. like, where the youth are going to come from because FBI is sin where like they're the, the youth sort of stations sure. and so when Triple J has that sort of image they're like alright well this is kind of where you know where people go to practice I guess or, yeah. or get their kind of you know get their there's a word for it chops you know, up chops up that's <laughs> yeah. the one yeah and so um, yeah and so, and so I started uh, after a while seeing seeing a couple of people get picked up by different things and just being like oh this is actually really important to you know in terms of a stepping stone like at that stage i i still you know had no idea what i wanted to do in life or you know yeah all, all i knew in my head is i didn't want to wear a suit and tie to work that was sure. about as far as my prerequisites yeah. for a job went <laughs> so really i mean garbo would have been right up my alley as well it's, it's not such a bad life really as long as you can um, talk in a microphone right? at some point yeah, yeah exactly just just driving down the street at 6 a.m good morning world <laughs> um but yeah, no, I, I think that was the time it started to click for me that this was really, really like it's an important stepping stone for people who want to do mm-hmm. this. And so 
Yeah, it, it was cool being able to start giving feedback to the people who were maybe doing their first shows because at that stage I'd been doing it. I mean, we had the longest running show on Sin, I think, by the end. I don't know if we've been beaten now, but in terms yeah. of those genre night shows, I know that, yeah, Works in Theory was like that held that title for a long time. And so, yeah, wow. and so, I mean, what little I did know, I wanted to say, well, hey, why don't you try doing this next time and started trying to mentor the people who would, you know, yeah. come up through the next one. And it was... Yeah, I mean, I mean, that was a lot of fun. And then I helped out a lot with the music department as well because they had their new music shows. And so if I could feed them a new alternative band, because I think that's... If someone gets into that sort of role, they'll usually have one genre that they know quite well. And then the sure. rest of them, they kind of, you know... And so I'd kind of feed them new, you know, punk and hardcore metal tunes mm-hmm. when I could as well. So yeah, just... I found myself kind of trying to expand as much as I could because I really... Yeah, I, I found myself really caring about the station. And, and obviously because it's a because it's a community station, they, they relied on, on memberships and, and they were allowed to sell advertising if they wanted. So they did for a while and then that kind of went away. And there were, you know, there were times, I mean, th- this was a long time ago, so I'm not exactly sure how things are now, but there was yeah. times where like, we have a lot of technical issues because, you know, the, there were very few paid staff and there wasn't a lot of money coming into mm-hmm. it. And so, you know, with all this expensive, expensive equipment, you know, something's going to break. And if they can't yeah. fix it straight away, it's going to be a tweak until you can. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think there was a night where just lots of things weren't working and I kind of, I cracked it and wrote this big email. I just sent it to everyone as like, you know, a, a reactive 18 year old will. I was yeah. just like, I'm going to send this to everyone at Sin. <laughs> and um, I got in a lot of trouble for that. But then out of it came the question of, all right, well, what are you going to do about it? Which I've never really been asked as an 18 year old, you know, the, yeah. the, that 18 year old kind of points out all the problems, but doesn't really think of, oh, wait, maybe it's my job to think of yeah, a solution yeah. as well. And so, yeah, and so it made, like, when, when that question was thrown back in my face by, like, the, the head of the radio station, um, yeah, a, a guy that I caused a lot of grief for called Bryce. But, in, in, I mean, in the end, that question was probably the best thing he ever did for me. I was, all right, well, what, what are you going to do about it? Rather than just saying, this is the issue. It's like, yeah. well, here's a solution as well. And so, yeah, so I, I started pushing more, talking about, well, I had a background in events. And so why don't we, you know, put on some events and start doing this and, and got some other people on board and... And yeah, and just, I guess, yeah, tried to help as much as possible. You know, honestly, it didn't really go that far in the end because I was still an 18 year old kid who didn't know yeah. that much, but it was... The effort was there. Yeah, it was the effort was there. And, and, and the, you know, like I, I knew deep down inside that I wanted to to help and make a difference. And, and they kind of, they kind of took that and ran with it because they were older than me and they knew, mm-hmm. you know, they knew that sort of things and they had that background. But yeah, I mean, I helped organize a bunch of events after that with sin like not so much me leading the helm but helping where i could in terms of promotion and that stuff and yeah and yeah i think that was the main thing for me it's just it made me give a shit about important causes yeah yeah and so when when you were doing that stuff were you studying at this time as well or were you out of school just doing that I, yeah, I was doing, I was doing it for like probably the last two years of high school. And Mm -hmm. it's, I mean, it's always my favorite thing to tell people when they worry about year 12 and exams and stuff like that is my, my radio show was a Thursday night from eight till 10. And, and I had my year 12 English exam on a Friday morning. My dad's like, well, you're skipping the radio show. I was like, no, I'm not. Yeah. Yeah, And so I, (laughs) that's what I was doing the night before. And, you know, it may may have taken me a while, but look at me now, dad. Um, (laughs) But um i've completely spaced on the question now um i was going somewhere with that point though studying studying yeah no so i yeah so i was doing year 11 year 12 and and then I'd, i again i still didn't really know what i wanted to do at that stage and mm-hmm. and so i applied for there was a, a university course for entrepreneurship whatever right. the hell that was i'm like yep. well i like business and so maybe i'll apply for that and then my second choice was event management hospitality management which i 
got ended up. And then I kind of thought about it. I'm like, all right, I'll do it and see what happens. And then I kind of did that. And it was everything that I didn't really care about was everything they were teaching, like corporate events right, and yeah, accounting yeah. and that kind of stuff. And so basically I just ended up with a piece of paper that said, congratulations, you now know everything that you already knew and a whole bunch of stuff you don't, you're not ever going to use. Yeah. <laughs> and so no, there was, there was never really a, a correct drive. And you know, I was just working retail, you know, like, yeah, yeah. And, and yeah. And doing that for longer than I'm really happy that I did. And, <laughs> but yeah, no, the, like, yeah. At that point in time, I still had no idea at all. And mm. yeah. And so was, there was, there was retail for a long time until I kind of snapped. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so how, how long did you end up doing? How long were you at sin then for? Probably, probably four or five years. I yeah. reckon in the end, like it was, yeah, it was quite a while. And about, yeah, I think three or four of that were running pump metal. It was, yeah, it was a long time yeah. there, but in the end, we kind of said we'd done as much as we could do with the show without mm-hmm. becoming irrelevant. Like I, I didn't want to run the show into the ground and for it to become boring and sour. And we kind of, we'd taken it as far as we could on that platform. And so I kind of wanted to leave it on a high note. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we, we kind of spaced out. We did like one, we did, we did one season where we did like, you know, a, a brief history of alternative music and each week yep. was kind of, you know, like a five year kind of span. And, and that was lots of fun, but it, yeah, it wasn't the same as works in theory. <laughs> yeah, right. Sure. So where then did Triple J come from? Like, how did that happen? Um, that was when, I mean, a similar sort of situation, I guess, to, to Lachlan Watt is when, when how he left the racket, um, Josh heard about it. We, we'd kind of been off sin probably two years at this stage or thereabouts. And I was just kind of hating my life in retail. Yeah. And, um, and Josh hit me up. He's just kind of like, there's a there's a competition to get into Triple J. I think we should apply. Yep. And so well, like, all right, cool. And then the the thing was you had to put forward like a five minute, um, you know, like, like a five minute spiel about your favorite metal album. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, all right, well, what are we gonna do? And you know, we knew that everyone was gonna like have the same response it was going to be you know how do you pick just one everyone's going to say oh you know this is such a struggle because how do you pick just one sorry so we kind of we kind of took a different angle of well how do you define metal sure because it's so open these days yeah it's yeah. Just kind of like all right so you could either go you know really really thrashy you could go really really poignant and poignant and you know like high tech and meshuggah or whatever whatever you wanted to do and we just kind of went nah fuck it let's just go like a right metal album so we picked three inches of blood's advance and vanquish okay because we were just kind of like deadly sinners it's, yeah it's, it's my theme song right there sure um and so yeah so we did the spiel and, and they liked what they heard and so we kind of we got through that stage and um i i it's been unconfirmed but inside sources have tell have told us that it came down to just us two and lachlan at the end like yeah, right. it was it was yeah I, I don't know if they were looking at other people as well but i've had some some unnamed sources say it was literally it was a fight between us in the end mm-hmm. and they you know so they asked for a whole bunch of different things and the one thing they asked for as well was a you know, like a whole three-hour playlist what would you do mm-hmm. and um i yeah i had one mindset and lachlan clearly had another and i kind of figured out afterwards that i was i was kind of drawing lines that triple j didn't really want drawn which was cool that they were kind of trying to expand what was what was happening with the racket and where they kind of saw the racket going yeah and so i kind of I was still seeing in that, you know, this is the racket, this is short, fast, loud sort of sure. thing. And and yeah, there's kind of, there is those blurred lines these days, which they kind of saw and at the time I didn't. Yeah. But they kind of, they kind of came to us afterwards and said, look, we're going to go with Lachlan, but we really, really like you guys as presenters. Mm-hmm. And so we want to get you trained up and get you doing the middle of the night shifts and then 
when something comes up, you'll kind of move forward. Yeah, awesome. And um, yeah, so I mean, we were doing that for two and a half years or something in yeah. the end. Um, and Josh kind of came and went because he was um, he was a member for the Greens, and so you couldn't. And he was running for Parliament, so you can't run for the Parliament while working for the government sure, at the same sure, time. Sure. So he had to kind of take a step back for a way and for a while, and then he ended up. Yeah, coming back for a bit and then he went away on holidays and whatnot. And then it, yeah, it, it kind of came to a point where uh, I, I'd been told that I had that, that little carrot dangled in front of me that Stu was leaving short, fast, loud. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and they were like, you know, they, they were really happy because by that stage, I'd already been volunteering for everything. Like me and Josh were doing our weekly middle of the night, but I'd always put my hand up and say, if you need another night covered, I'll do it. If you need this covered, I'll do it. And just yeah. trying to make myself as available as possible. And sure. so they'd kind of seen that I'm keen because- Yeah, the just... drive to do exactly. radio. Exactly, yeah. right? And so like by that stage, we'd already covered like weekend breakfast we'd done a couple of times, which was cool. And I'd mm-hmm. done house party one night when Nina was sick and- yeah, so just covering as much as possible. Always volunteering for like, I I think I did New Year's Eve three years in a row kind of thing. Because wow. I don't like, <laughs> yeah, because I'm, like, I don't, I don't, I'm not much of a party animal. And so yeah. I was just kind of like, I'll work it. I've done it before, so why not? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that kind of got dangled in front of me. And then we got the email saying, oh, hey, we're going to offer it to you. And Josh's reply was, oh, hey, I'm moving to England for 12 months. <laughs> yeah, wow. <laughs> and so I, I guess it was really fortuitous by that stage that I'd put my hand up for so much by myself that mm-hmm. I said to the Triple Jam, like, I can do this by myself. I want this more than anything. I, I listened to Sure Fuss Loud while I was on Sin FM. This is yeah, yeah. everything that I want. And they went, we know that you can do it. So it's yours. I went, sick that's awesome yeah so what what was the kind of like what was it like starting going from doing sin and things like that to doing those night shows and stuff with triple j it it felt fairly similar i mean the 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 one thing that's very different is the the middle of the nights are a playlisted for the most part by the music department so they kind of send through here's your playlist you get to pick two songs an hour so you get to add your own flavor to it with sure. however you wanted and whatnot so it was it was very much i mean on sin sin's pretty much you know, he, here's the time that you have to press the buttons. Mm-hmm. Have fun. Yeah, yeah. You know? And so, like, we had we had a, a radio serial called "The Adventures of Captain Redbeard and Slightly Effeminate Man," <laughs> and it was about a, a pirate and a professional transvestite trying to understand the world. Sure. And um, so things like that obviously aren't going to translate on yes. on Triple J. And so in it, the middle of the night, exactly. Well. <laughs> right. Um, I mean, I mean, that's probably more for for local radio. And some of the things I've heard them talk about at four in the morning is just outlandish. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, for for the transition, it was very much it, it was a lot more regimented than we were used to. But we kind of fell into that groove quite easily. The, mm-hmm. It's the hardest part, and I found it out a lot more recently because I had to like recently I've covered a couple of middle of the night shifts just because they've been really low on people. Yeah, and so the program managers called me up. It's just like you know, yo, can you please do us a solid? I'm like, absolutely, why not? And uh, yeah, not not knowing every artist that you're playing makes it really hard to talk about the music as much. Yeah, yeah. So there's very much times where we go, oh, you know, these were the bands you just heard. You know, these are the bands we were coming up. If we knew one tidbit, it's all oh, you'll be able to catch these people playing here. Mm-hmm. Bang. Yep. And I guess, yeah, the, the difference between doing your own show and doing that is when you're doing, when you're programming your own show, you can 
you put in all the bands that you know everything about and you've got all this stuff and you can say all these things but yeah that that was definitely a challenge is having to know indie artists and hip-hop artists and dance artists and all yeah, that kind for of sure. stuff and but i mean then the flip side to that is it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier with the those mixed bill gigs yeah. is i i got introduced to so many cool artists that i didn't even yeah, know for sure it's exposing existed. you to a lot of stuff exactly right and yeah. so in that respect i really really enjoyed the middle of the night shifts because mm-hmm. i got to hear you know, hip hop artists that I'd never heard about that were just like, these guys are really, really cool. Yeah, yeah, that's you know? right. Yeah. Yeah, that's sick. Yeah, I I do think that's like from the the two times I've got to do the racket have been <laughs> both like all right, well the first time I got asked to do it, I was like, This is like dream come true. Get to go fucking play metal songs on the radio. And I remember them saying like, oh, you know, just send us your playlist or whatever when you're ready. Mm. And I literally was like, okay. And I sent it to them like one hour later because I was so (laughs) keen and was like, I know exactly what I'm going to say about all these songs. And like, then when I did it recently, it was a similar thing. Like Lachlan just said, can you come and do this for me? And I was like, dude, here you go. Here's the songs. Like, like I I really like that. The, that drive to talk about the Mm. music you like is Mm. so like just instilled in me that I really appreciate people's passion for that <laughs> because like, fuck man, if I could talk about songs all day, that's all I do. Yeah. But I, I love that as well though, because, and I probably shouldn't be saying this as the host of the show, but I really enjoy listening to other people program mm. the, those shows because it, you, you bring a different personality to it and, and a different taste yeah. to it. And like recently I produced a couple of hip hop shows just for like guest hosts and stuff. And, and I was, the Remy was on one of them and he was kind of talking about, Oh, you know, so, so how do we have to sound to sound? I'm like, sound like yourself. Cause that's, you know, people, people listen to these shows because they want to hear music. And if someone, if someone they look up to and someone they respect, someone that plays in I exist, for example, you know, yeah. like it's, it's we want to hear you kind of yeah thing. And, and so that's i think that's the cool thing about people like you guest hosting it is you you kind of bring your own flavor for a night and it kind of yeah. keeps things interesting and you know the sound changes a bit but that passion of what you know is different to what lachlan knows which is cool yeah yeah and i'm i, I think that the having those guest host things i mean i'm not sure how often they are meant to occur or mm. you know whatever but like i think it's cool when they do happen like mm. even if i don't particularly like the music that the person who's guest says he's doing it. I think that stuff's awesome for the sake of the show as well, Mm. because it's going to spark more interest. Obviously people are going to listen to those people talk, but then as well, it helps flush in more, you know, variety into that, into the programming of that, show as well too. exactly exactly when um uh, we had uh, josh scoggin from 68 and chariot and all that on mm-hmm. a, a couple of weeks ago and and i asked him to program a bunch of songs and so he brought in six songs and they were all like amazing like it was daughters and it was spitfire and it was will haven and yeah. and but it was it was all very much it's stuff that like that i enjoy but haven't played that much of and it was all kind of in a row and when when like i've done the playlist i've tried to make it fairly fairly spray so as you know it's pop punk it's hardcore it's you know it's metalcore it's and and try and keep things kind of varied and so there was a solid 45 minutes of of josh goggin talking amazingly stuff and Mm -hmm. and then this really abrasive music and people i was i was curious about how people would react for such a long period of time of that thing and people got really behind it because again it's it's what you say it's it's that variety of difference that people want to hear it's oh it's this guy what does he listen to yeah yeah this is sick yeah so i guess when you when that first happened for you, you know, first got short, fast, loud, what was like, what was how you saw that developing for you? Because obviously I've talked to Stu about this and I like, I have talked to Lachlan as well, but like it's, I mean, it must've been a hugely daunting thing for you. Like aside from being excited, it must've been like crazy. The like 
because he invented it yeah. effectively, you know? Yeah. And like, it must have been like a lot of pressure, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, there was uh, someone asked me once and, I, and straight off the bat, I came out with the, the best way to describe the feeling. This, mm-hmm. is, this is the perfect way to describe it. So imagine someone saying, here's a brand new puppy. I've just killed your father. <laughs> That's... It's exactly how I felt. Yeah, right. I was so excited, but at the same time, just gutted because like, I mean, I, like, I, I don't have a bad word to say about anyone at Triple J. They've always been the nicest, most amazing human beings. But if I could pick one person to never leave, it would have been Stu. Like, yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, me, me and Josh used to do the mid-dawns straight after Stu. And so he was mm-hmm. kind of there in our first couple of shows and he'd make sure that we were all right, even though he, it wasn't his job. He had nothing to do with that. But he yeah. was just kind of there being awesome. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, I mean, there was always that. And, and, and like I said, I used to listen to that show for so long. I, yeah. I, I, Stealing is not the right word, but I used to, you know, use short fast ladders research for songs that yeah, I was playing sure. on yeah. works in theory. You were a kid. Of, it's exactly yeah. right. And so, I mean, that was to me, and it's kind of, yeah, I kind of got onto that first show and just went, I'm going to cop so much hate, like <laughs> so much. Like, like, I mean, but I guess the, the lucky thing for me is that Stu was really, really supportive and positive, like quite openly vocal when he first announced it. He was kind of just like, this is Josh, the new guy, you know, I have a lot of faith in him and he kind of really talked me up. And so I, I think that that gave me a lot of a boost, obviously, because mm-hmm. it's someone that I look up to talking about me as well, but also was that kind of cushioning of people's just like, oh, if Stu appreciates this guy, I'm going to give him a chance yeah, rather sure. than just writing off straight away. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, when it came to that first show, I think I was, I, I, I started and I think I stopped shaking at about 1130 or thereabouts. Like it was yeah, just right. like, and I, I'd play a song, like I'd do my talk break and then I'd play a song. And I, like the only way I could get this energy out was to just scream into the microphone, all the lyrics, all the songs. Because so, <laughs> I mean, that, that first show, I kind of made it like a, a musical introduction to me. So it was all yeah. like the songs that I would play. I, like I programmed my old school pride and stuff like that to kind of say, well, hey, th- I'm the this new is guy. Who this, I am. Is, yeah. this is the stuff that I listen to. And and yeah, so like, so I knew all the words, all the songs. So as soon as the microphones went off, I was just like, just singing my lungs <laughs> out of the studio just because I had That's to great. get out this nervous energy somehow. Yeah. And um, Stu messaged me. It's just like, how are you going? He's just like, I'm singing. I'm singing loud. Yeah. And he's like, I did exactly the same. Thing. Dude, that's fucking Good. sick. That's Good. great. <laughs> um, so, was when that? I guess again. So, the ball's been passed to you. Then, what? Like, what ideas then came up for you? Like, how did you feel that you needed to develop the show into your own thing? It's um, I don't know. It's been an interesting one. It's still kind of an ongoing process over the last like um, you know, it's been nine months now. They're about eight months, nine mm-hmm. months now, and it's kind of yeah, it, it's seeing the the sounds uh, evolve in terms of i don't know how to put it like it's yeah i i guess Stu was Stu's always been a really really big supporter of that poison city sound that i absolutely love as well you mm-hmm. know like the, he championed this mystery band from the very very beginning and whatnot and like that's that that is a i hate using the word mature sound but it is a very no, very yeah. mature sound and so i think the the thing that i kind of bought in was all right well what are the what are the the really younger ones up to as well like what what are these kids up to and what are they listening to and trying to trying to bring that sound into it as well i mean there's yep. there, there's future long-term goals that i kind of have because i've got a you know a, a background in you know like photography and videography and whatnot so i was yep. kind of like that's something that i'd like to try and bring more into surefast lab but those are still quite a way away in terms of sure. coming to fruition but that's i i, I guess that's where my passions lie outside of radio and things that i think that i could kind of bring to the table is that 
that multimedia aspects mm-hmm. of it. Like I, I, I love going to shows and then posting photos on the short fast that Instagram. So I'm like, you know, these are the shows that yeah, yeah. played and these are the cool photos that happen from it. Yeah. That's sick. And so, yeah, I, I guess that's the flavor that kind of my experience has kind of been able to bring so far. Yeah. I mean, in terms of going forward, I know it's such an interesting one because like when Stu left, it was still at the top of its game. It's kind of like, yeah, like yeah. how how do you move forward from there? Honestly, it's a question that I'm still trying to, to figure out exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like, and yeah. And so in terms of a sound, I guess it's kind of growing into its own thing. And I mean, I mean, there has been people who have said, you know, like oh, I, I, they prefer the older sound and that's fair enough. Like I, I never yeah. had any illusions that I was going to please everybody no. with my sound. Well, but that that's, that's, I'm sure Triple J weren't expecting you to do that anyway. And no. I'm sure they weren't putting you in place thinking like, oh, this guy will just be Stu 2.0. No. Like, you know. No. And that's like, yeah, I guess all I could do is, again, just bring my own personality to it, yeah. which is, you know, it's it's talking way too fast and laughing at my own jokes. Like, yeah. that's, that's, that's all I hear every time I listen back to it. And I've done, like, we do, like, air checks with the bosses and they'll kind of sit down and they'll play a talk break and they'll just be like, what do you think about that talk break? And then I'll have to say, oh, I could have done this or that. And then they'll kind of pick things out as well. And, yeah. and the program manager has always been the same. He's just been like, you talk too fast. And yep. for anyone else, I would say you have to slow down, but it works for the show and it works for your personality and that kind of thing. So he's like, keep it up. I'm like, yeah, All right, I can do good. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I can't remember if it was the first time I met you, but um, when like the first time I heard your show, it was at, I think a little while after it had um, started. I work with children, that's so that's I go to bed very early, <laughs> but I was driving home from a band practice and I turned on the radio. I was like, oh, I'm going to check out this new show Fast Lab. And the first thing I heard was Manhunt. And I was like, dude, <laughs> this guy gets it. This is fucking great. Like that was, I think one of the things that I've always really liked about that show was for me, I grew up listening to the metal shows on the radio because mm. I primarily listened to metal. And then when we started I Exist, we were all people from hardcore bands I kind of thought I, this was a metal band, but the general public didn't. And then I understood why. And so I was like, okay, I guess we're, you know, we're more of a hardcore band. So when I, we did our demo, I sent it to Stu and it was kind of like, you don't know me. I don't know you, but here's this band. If you want to play it, that'd be sick. And then like, you know, next week it was on the radio. Mm. And then I was like, holy shit, that was the easiest fucking thing in the world. <laughs> And then I remember like one of the things I always admired a lot about Stu was that he would do those things and play the like songs by bands that he could kind of see, I guess, some, you know, value in and Mm. he could see the fact that like, oh, they're trying and they're doing this new thing or something different maybe. And the thing that I thought that was always good about that show, regardless of what genre restrictions were around it or whatever lines people had set for it was that it was fostering you know, development for those sort of bands. Yeah, absolutely. And like, I would argue that you're doing that like very well oh, still. Thank oh, thank you. Yes. <laughs> no, but I just, yeah, I remember, yeah, turning on the radio, driving home and like it being like, dude, this is my friend's band. This is fucking <laughs> rad. Like, it was, it was, great. It was a, I mean, because obviously like me and Stu had a lot of sit downs like when, when we were kind of doing that transition and whatnot. And he's just like, write down every question you want and, and we'll just kind of go through them. And, and that was... I, I guess the one thing that I kind of asked him is, is there is there certain sounds that you, you don't think you could play? And, and the way he kind of put it was, 
why like why have three hours of punk and three hours of metal when you can have six hours of really good music like, yeah there, there's going to be that bands and, and like I, and like i think i exist blur lines brilliantly like like in, yeah. in that sort of like you can play with metal bands and you can play with hardcore bands and we're seeing a lot more of that like it's bands just being like all right well, we're just gonna we're not gonna call ourselves anything in particular or we're yeah. gonna create new genres that could be played on both of the racket and short fast loud and sure. so it's kind of I mean, me and, me and Lachlan have been working, especially more recently, to find that kind of equilibrium where we, we don't play exactly the same thing each week. For sure, but, yeah. But there'll be those bands. And I mean, this year with, you know, the new, you know, In Hearts Wake album, the new Bring Me The Horizon album, there are going to be bands that do get played on both because there are people that listen to punk and they listen to metal. Like, sure, yeah. It's, it's th- those lines between it's not the punks are over there and the metalheads are over there. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's not, you know, Rancid versus Metallica or anything. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, it's, I love Rancid and I love Metallica. Yeah, like for sure. And, and I guess that's the really cool thing about the shows is that we can have that kind of cross. And so like, and, and the, the prime example of it's always been the Dillinger escape plan. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, cause you can't, you can't pigeonhole no. Dillinger as anything. And so like, I mean, I, Stu had Greg come and guest host the show. And then, you know, on this current tour, now Lachlan's got Ben doing an interview as well. I think that was on the show that you yeah. did actually just yeah, recently yeah, as well. And so it's, yeah, it's kind of cool that we can kind of work together. And there have been times where like a band sent me something and I've been like, this might be a bit too heavy for short, fast, loud, but I want to pass it on to Lachlan because I think it has a lot of merit. Mm-hmm. And I think you know, it has a place on radio and should absolutely get heard. And, and he's done the same thing to me. I mean, especially with a, a lot of things that are going on with that, that Newcastle hardcore scene, like, you know, yeah. like Cursed Earth and, and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. that are doing awesome things in time crisis and stuff. And yeah, yeah. some people could argue that that's metal and some people could argue that's hardcore yeah. it's you know i mean burning season that new song from them that they released the other day is phenomenal yeah it's awesome um but yeah it's it's kind of one of those ones it's where where does it fit i mean it, it just fits on the air like that's, yeah that's where it belongs and yeah. it's yeah, you know, yeah. So we're so we we've created a, a a pretty good. I mean, it's you know it's, it's messages on Facebook, but it's still communication. Yeah, you know? for we, sure. we've we, we've got a good back and forth here. <laughs> Will we go? You know, what have you got coming up this week? Or I'm doing this. I'm doing that, and that kind of thing. So it's yeah, it's yeah. I I think we're trying to find a way that it does become six hours of good music yeah. across two days. That's awesome, and I I mean I think that's really good as well for fostering. I mean, again, back to the initial thing you said, fostering that, you know, thing in kids and adults, anyone who's listening to that shit that just like, it doesn't need to be fucking metal versus punk dudes. No. It can be, this stuff can go anywhere. Like, yeah. if it's good, it's good, mm. you know? Yeah, like, exactly. And it's, and, and that's, uh, I guess my, my favorite thing these days is being able to go to shows. Like I was at, um... I've never been to Frankie's Pizza before. I was mm-hmm. at Frankie's Pizza last night, and like that place blows my mind. But you know, yeah. watching these opening bands play, like young band out of Canberra called Star Rats, who just laid the place to west. Like they were playing second or third, but they were just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And like I'd, I'd played them a couple of weeks before, and they came up to me and they were so thankful, so grateful. It's like, oh, you know, it's it's they they were talking about how surreal it is to like hear their music being played on the radio. I'm like, well, that's I, I think that's probably the most important thing about the show, at least for me. It's kind of like. I kind of scale back the amount of bigger bands that I play. Like if a band gets like daytime play on, on Triple J, I tend to even subconsciously scale back how much I play them because I'm like, okay, well, you've you've taken that next step, which yeah. is awesome. That's amazing. And congratulations. Let's let's look at who's the next band to take that step. Yeah, for sure. And so like, you know, and I'll still play them because that's obviously that's, I mean, what I want to hear and what people want to hear and that kind of stuff. But I think that's the most important thing is finding that balance 
of steps. And so you've got these younger bands coming up. And so that's like the, I mean, the first thing that I kind of, you know, I brought in a new segment, I guess, as it were, called The New Noise, which mm-hmm. is like every week I'll jump up to Triple J on Earth and find some artists on there and of anything that could fit on Short, Fast, Loud and, and feature two of them. And I make sure like when I do it, I put up, you know, I post about 8 p.m. on the Wednesday night of what's coming up on the show and I make sure that I tag those two bands. And I mean, maybe they've got, a hundred likes on Facebook or a thousand mm-hmm. likes on Facebook or whatnot. But I mean, it gives them exposure to yeah, what, what I've got. And it's people that can kind of say, Oh, okay, cool. I'm going to check them out. And, and these bands, if they see the tag, they'll then share the post as well. Mm-hmm. And they get really excited about it. And it's kind of, yeah, it's really cool from that respect, seeing, seeing what it means to, to the community, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, uh, it's heartwarming, I guess. Yeah, no, it's sick. It's great. Yeah. Um, so you briefly touched on it, but let's talk about your passion for photography and videography. <laughs> it's something else you do. Yeah, well, I, um, I know. I guess that's something I've done for a very early age, and, and that's again something that me and Josh we started on ages ago. Like he, he, both me and him love to write, and so mm-hmm. like we we're kind of like, all right, well, let's write film or television shows, and we we just have a camera out. And I was, kinda, I guess, I was half inspired by like CKY, like the original CKY yep. videos and whatnot, just like getting a grimy camera and going out and shooting dumb things. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of did that, and then we kind of moved on. We we made a you know B grade pilot for a television show as well. Yep. And so like I, I've been working around cameras for a long time, and then um. Yeah, it, it kind of like, you know, it had been there and I, I'd had a camera for a while and hadn't done that much with it. And then I met a, an incredibly talented photographer called Neil Walters, who's become my best mate in the whole world kind of thing. And, and he was kind of, he was doing wedding photography at the time. And I could yeah. tell that he just hated it, like really, <laughs> really hated it. And I'd had a couple of ideas for like music videos with bands that I like. I'm just kind of like, I could hear a song and I could see this video. I'm just kind of like, this should be a video. Sure. And so, so me and him kind of got together and started talking about it. And then, yeah, he, he knew a band called Who Invited the Wolf who kind of, who needed a music video done. I was like, all right, well, let's, let's do it. And so we like, we started, yeah, like making music videos for bands and whatnot. And then, you know, Neil was teaching me bits and pieces about photography. So I was taking that up more and more and more. And yeah, it's just, I mean, it's kind of one of those things where it's, I mean, this day and age, it's so easy for someone to become a photographer. It's, yeah. it's separating yourself apart and, and showing that you want it. I mean, there's some incredible photographers out there. You know, Kane's obviously an amazing mm-hmm. example. Kanye Lenz. Yeah. <laughs> Hartley's another example as well. And, and like, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of Neil's work, my, our friendship aside. It's, yeah, it's seeing these guys. And I guess what it means to bands these days, it's kind of, I know, it's strange that, you know, because we we live in a society where people need that that instant. We've got things like Instagram and Facebook, and yeah. they need that that constant update of if it's not on the internet, it, it didn't happen. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of it, it's become this thing of everyone's like, oh, I can do this too, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, no, it's it's been interesting seeing it. So it's one of those things where I don't I don't like to call myself a photographer because I don't really see myself as sure. a photographer. I, I guess it's more for me. I, I guess my passion lies in producing like content with. Um, like with Neil like it's it's kind of one of those things I don't know why anyone ever wants to be a producer on films yeah. and stuff like that because literally your job is the director comes to you and says I've got a dumb idea make it work yeah I went alright cool so he's like alright we're gonna do a video in the rain so make it rain and he's yeah. like I, you know he came to me for a photo shoot once and he's like I want a band to be holding fluoresce- like the fluorescent tubes but I need them to be on and I'm like oh, alright cool gotta figure that and out exactly so I'm, I'm, but to me that's like that's half the fun is alright cool I've set myself a challenge what can I do and mm-hmm. kind of like you know so I've you know 
built rain machines and, you know, found, you know, I've, I've contacted for, for one we did recently. I contacted every prison in Victoria to find one that would let us shoot in it. You can, yeah. sh- you can shoot in Pentridge prison. Fun fact. Yeah. Um, you know, where, where uncle chop chop and stuff was. And so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, photography for me is just a bit of fun, I guess. I don't, I don't I've never really seen it as a, a career as such. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, to me, it's just kind of like, I like picking up my camera and, and, and taking a pretty picture. It's just, yeah, that's something I've kind of, I see, I see merit in it, and obviously, you know, multimedia is becoming a bigger and bigger thing every day. And so, mm-hmm. like, I mean, photography and videography are going to be a part. I mean, and some musicians are kind of like, yeah, they, they don't like the photographers, they don't like the videographers, and stuff yeah. like that. And it's it's kind of, I mean, it, it kind of sucks in one respect that it's become almost a necessity for bands because it's the, yeah, it is the easiest way for them to get exposures through Instagram likes and Facebook shares mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And, and photos are so consumable. Um, See, it's so depressing to say consumable, though, doesn't it? Because it's <laughs> photography used to be an art form, and so you don't want yeah. to say that you're consuming art. No, but it's it's one of those things where like that stuff, that stuff fully has crossed over into relevance. It's the same thing with music. Like you don't want, like as you know, you don't want to be sitting there going like, oh, you know, fucking, like, oh, my music's like this, or I got to do this for whatever likes or sells or whatever. But then at the root of all that as well, you don't we're not doing this shit so no one pays attention yeah. like like and again I've spoken about it with other people on this like no one ever started a band because they didn't want people to pay attention <laughs> to them like if you started a band ever in your life you want people to look at you that's yeah. what you want to do and then you know how pe- how do people look at you if they're not standing in front of you they have to look at a photo of you yeah. so become friends with photographers appreciate the craft because you're going to need those people yeah. you know and like I think that's I think another thing that really helped I exist along when we first started was when we first started was kind of when a friend of ours John Hatfield started taking more nice. photos nice yeah and so we would take him on tour with us and he'd take fuckloads of pictures of us so then and then he'd take promo photos of us and all these sort of things he made a music video for us like that all that stuff happened because we were like you know, we're obviously friends with him, but then at the same time, it was like, I understood the thing that he was trying to do. He understood the thing that we were trying to do. Like he was one of the few people that I knew I could say to, all right, in this promo photo, uh, we're all just, there's like seven of us in the band now. Can you take a photo of seven people? And then he was like, okay. (laughs) And then we get, he gets to the photo and like, Half of us drunk. Someone's got a huge sword. Someone's not wearing the right clothes like everyone else. And he's like, okay, I guess I got to make this fucking yeah. picture work. And then a similar thing when I was like, want to do a music video. The whole thing's going to be spinning. And he was like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> and I was like, and we're all going to be drunk and we want all our friends in it. It's in a room the size of your bedroom. And a bunch of people are going to be smoking weed. So <laughs> is that okay? And like... Again, he was like, yeah. And that, that, I think that stuff is like, you know, people will very quickly jump on the whole like this fucking marketing sales business shit or whatever. But like that stuff, regardless of what your opinion of it is, mm. has its reasons for being there and yeah. it has its necessities as well. And I would say instead of arguing and fighting against that shit all the time, figuring out your way of making it work for you, that's how it works like yeah. that's the sickest thing to do yeah absolutely and i mean and the the funniest thing i see about all that stuff is when you know people are very quick to jump on bands and things on videos and photos and things like that and then they very quickly forget that 
you know, bands like Pantera made like 80% of their popularity came from fucking videos. Yeah. Like home videos they made was half of the reason why they're as famous as they are, you know, like, and that stuff. And, you know, similar like CKY, that's how that band got big. Yeah. Is because of videos, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. like that. And I think that stuff's great. I think it's important that that element's there as well. And as you said, now that the way the internet's turning and the way that stuff's growing, having that multimedia element to that stuff is super important. Yeah, exactly. And, and like, it's, I mean, it's a slight tangent, but like we were saying earlier about like, you know, his attitude around saying, yeah, I can make this work. Yeah, I can do this. Yes, I can do yeah. this. You ask a question. It's, I think that that attitude is the most important thing because there are a lot of people who kind of, and, and, and I, you know, this probably makes me sound so old, but like a lot of people I find almost just kind of expect things to happen and expect things to be easy and whatnot. But if you can show how hard you work and, you know, again, the same thing happened with me at Triple J. It's, you know, it's putting your hand up for everything and saying, yes, absolutely, I can make this work. And, and mm. people, people see that and people remember that. People just be like, and so when... You know, there's every photographer, every, every like everyone in any form of creative art, really, I would contest, starts out either making no money or paying, yeah. you know, for this. And, and it's it's those people that put in the hard yards at the start mm-hmm. who attach themselves to the right, you know, people and, yeah, and put in that hard work are the ones that tend to make it. I mean, yeah. I mean, Kane's another example. He attached himself very early to you know, Soundwave Festival is the mm-hmm. Soundwave photographer. Yeah. And then he gets to the point where he can make Kanye Lens versus Soundwave, which yeah. is an awesome photography book. Mm-hmm. And so it's, yeah, it's it's about saying, yep, yeah, rather than saying, oh God, really? It's about... Yeah, yeah. Just going for it. Yeah, exactly. And it's, you know, it's the same with bands. I mean, it's, I mean, you know, like you said earlier, you know, you, everyone that's in a band wants people to see them play. So absolutely it's going to suck playing to no one being the opening band. But yeah. And those are the hard yards. That's like I'm, you got to do it. You know, I'm sure there's been gigs that you've played to, you know, in oh. the early days to 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 other bands and their girlfriends. Yeah, <laughs> not even the early days. <laughs> Just last some week. of the more recent no, days, but yeah. but I I mean that again that stuff's like you have to do it, mm. and when you do it, you go well, that was shit. But here's the two good things that came out of that mm. thing, you know, and like I mean I think that's. That's another thing that I've, again, spoken about with people recently is like, I think there's a lot of, with the internet, like there's obviously these awesome elements to it, but then there's this other side to it as well now where people think that they are somehow owed something or they think that, yeah. you know, they're surprised when a band that's been busting their ass for 10 years has something awesome happen to them. And then they've been on the internet for a year and have like tons of people pay attention to them on the internet or whatever, but then they do something and no one cares and they're like, oh, what the fuck? Why don't they, you know, why can't we have what they have? And it's like, always, 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 regardless of what you see about this band or that band or whatever, you know, photographers or whatever, like, surely, like, oftentimes there'll be, you know, the one thing that gets, like, popular or whatever off very little merit. Mm. However, most of the time, I would argue, you know, 99% of the time, regardless of what you think of it or what you know of it, there was like ass busting occurring for fucking years <laughs> before that happened. Like, yeah. you know, I don't think like I exist isn't a fucking success story or anything. Like none of us live off the band. We all have jobs. Like it's just this thing that we do for fun <laughs> that people like. So yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. But like Josh, our old man guitar player had been doing this shit for, you know, 20 years before he did what we've done. And like, same with everyone else in the band. Mm. Everyone else in the band had been in bands before it and 
done crap tours in our <laughs> mum's cars and all that sort of stuff before we got the opportunities that we've had to do cool things. But then still at the core of that as well is I still want to do that stuff so that I can keep doing the next thing. Yeah, exactly. You know? And I think it's, I mean, I, I, I wrote, I, you know, like I said earlier, I, I like to write and I wrote this massive blog post about kind of like a, a week in the life of when, when me and Neil shot, the, I ended up being about four music videos in, in one week mm-hmm. kind of thing. It was a silly idea. But I, yeah, I, I kind of started off, I mean, dabbling on, on what you were saying earlier about like it's, I think I like with with the internet these days, people kind of see this moment and that moment and that moment and and don't seem to connect the dots between there's there's all these moments in between of of yeah. the hard work and the sleepless nights and, and all that kind of stuff and it's yeah it, it's interesting to think about the I mean that mentality of just kind of like if you see this one and that one and that one you're like they yeah they we've been around twelve months why aren't we you know selling yeah. out stadiums and whatnot and and not kind of realizing that there's there's a lot of hard work involved in that mm. and it's yeah I I think that's that's the best attitude to have is kind of trying to be a bit more humble about okay it's it's going to take some time it's going to take some yeah. work it's you know it's not everyone can be Mozart writing symphonies at the age of four yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I wish I was that special, but yeah. you know, <laughs> very few of us are. Yeah. Exactly. It's yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, like I said, it's, I started on radio 14 years ago. It's taken me 14 years to get my dream job. Like it, mm. it, it happened like it yeah. absolutely will. And, and I wholeheartedly believe it's, it's such a cheesy saying, yeah. ridiculously cheesy. I'm going to apologize in advance for this, <laughs> but I, I wholeheartedly believe in the saying of it's, I hate even saying it. It's shoot for the moon. Even if you miss, you'll land amongst the stars. Yeah. It's this whole idea of you can, you can have a goal and, and you can kind of, you can go for it with all your heart. Maybe you'll get there. Maybe you won't. But if you keep pushing, you're going to get somewhere that you still really, really like, but you, yeah. you have to push. You have to, because there are going to be rubbish times. There are going to be really, really hard nights. You know, mm. there's, there's going to be sleepless nights. There's going to be ruined relationships. You know, yeah. I'm sure every person, every band member, you know, every person, every band's had times where they've had to pick between touring girlfriends or, you yeah. know, work commitments and, and recording. There's, there's always going to be sacrifice and hard work that a lot of people don't, see because a lot of people keep that to themselves it's you know you don't want to gloat about oh look how hard i've worked to get to this point now and yeah yeah. it's kind of like you don't want to say these are the awesome things that we're doing let's all celebrate together which which is a positive thing but it's yeah again there was there was a point that i was making there it's kind of run away from me but it's yeah hard work hard work and sacrifice i think are, are the the two most important things for any again any creative that wants to make it Mm -hmm. in this world in in some way shape and form and again it's yeah it's missing the moon and landing amongst the stars it's yeah. cheesy as shit but it's, it's it makes sense yeah it's true <laughs> it's what I, happened yeah i kind of remember where i heard that to be completely honest but it's yeah it's one thing that i've kind of like i've been able to reflect upon especially recently and just be mm-hmm. like i have my dream job and i like it's it still hasn't really sunk in yet because yeah, yeah. it has been such a long road to this point sure and so it's yeah it's 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 interesting to to look back on i yeah. guess <laughs> sick all right well is there anything you would like to spruik for the uh, populace that listens to this podcast? I absolutely would like to uh, to spruik right now that uh, I exist are in the studio and they're recording a new album. <laughs> oh, and uh, here we are. <laughs> and uh, I'm I'm going to play it first on Short Fast Lane. <laughs> well, I better get to writing. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, no, the uh, the pleasure of your company has been has been more than enough. I, I do want to know when you I exist is coming out, but that's you know that's that's for you to spruik, not for me to spruik. Sometime, <laughs> sometime soon. That's always the way. When, when there's a break in jobs and life and girlfriends <laughs> and and children and and being a human being and stuff, there'll be all of those. things. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, no, the 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 pleasure of your company has been more than enough. Well, thank you very much for doing the podcast, mate. No, I appreciate it. Thank you.